Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Hey, it is my honor to welcome our good friend. Some of you know him. If you were here a couple months ago, then you heard him speak. But this is Pastor Mike. Would you guys give it up for Pastor Mike? Good morning. Are you alive? Some of you. Let me ask you again, are you alive? It's good to be here. Pam and I are so uh, thrilled to be here once again. And I know that you enjoy the ministry of my dear friend, Ron McManus, on a regular basis. And he asked me to give you his best wishes. Well, I'm glad you're alive. You know, I heard the story about the little boy uh, who had to be brought into the service because uh, he was gonna sit with his mother and as the service went on, he got fidgety, fidgety, fidgety. So she started pointing out things in the sanctuary and telling him what they meant. They finally got to the stage and uh, he said, well, what are those flags up on the stage? And she said, well, the flag there on the left, that's the American flag, flag of our country. She said, and the flag on the right, that was put there in memory of the boys who have died in service. The little boy thought for a moment and he said, did they die in the nine o'clock or the 11 o'clock service? Well, we don't want anyone to die here this morning, amen? Because I want to talk to you about living water, living water. You know, God gave the Jews a major feast in the Old Testament or celebrations that they were to observe certain things. One of them was the feast of Passover. And it occurred this year, sort of around the time of our East that we celebrate Easter. And Passover, you know, if you read the Gospels, you'll see Jesus celebrating Passover. In fact, we, the, the Seder or the first night of Passover was what we call the Last Supper it, they were celebrating Passover. Well, that was to remember for the Jews to remember when the death angel passed over them and that they were set free from bondage of the Egyptians. They were set free from that slavery. Well, another one of those feasts is called the Feast of Tabernacles. And God instructed in Leviticus, when he gave that instruction, for them to build little tents outside of their house and to dwell there. It's, it's a seven-day celebration. And for them to live there, and they would, they would do that, and they still do that today. Many, many Jews will have a little tent outside their house, and they'll take their meals there. And Tabernacles is a remembering of the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness. After they were set free from the slavery of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and all they had was God. When they'd run out of food, God would send manna. We don't know exactly what that was, but he would send some kind of food for them in the morning. They'd gather it up. 
Their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. He provided water in the desert and out of a rock one time. When they had nothing but God, guess what? But God is enough. We've been singing about that all morning. God is enough, amen? I want to tell you, you may be here. Listen, you may feel like you're at the end of your rope or you don't know what to do or where to turn. I want to tell you, God is enough for you. He will provide. He can make a way even where there seems to be no way. Well, one of the parts of tabernacles was that they, there would, on the last day, the priests would go down to the pool of Salome and they would gather large pitchers of water, take them back up to the temple. When they got to the temple, they'd pour those pitchers on the altar and it would run down the temple steps and the people would be out there shouting and praising God and giving glory to God and dancing because God, it's a celebration how God has provided. He provided rain. He provided water. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the exact context of John chapter 7. When Jesus there was in Jerusalem at the time of tabernacles and at the, the, the time of the pouring of that water. And Jesus said, and this is John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. Look what it says. On the last and greatest day of the festival... Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John puts this parenthetical note for us in here. And he says, by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, I want you to see this picture. Think about this picture. Here, they're pouring the water down and it's coming down the steps of the temple and it's coming down and coming down and the people are celebrating and Jesus stands up right in the middle of that and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Anyone who's really thirsty, anyone who's spiritually empty, anyone who has need, if you'll come to me, I will give you living water that will flow out of you. Amen? Amen. And you know, that's still the call Jesus makes. Come to me. Come to me. Anyone who comes after me, anyone who's thirsty, anyone who has a need, anyone who doesn't know where to turn, anyone who needs hope, anyone who needs an answer, anyone who is sick, anyone who has financial needs, anyone who has a relational need, no matter what it is, you can turn to God, you can turn to Jesus even today. The writer C.S. Lewis said, we all have a God-shaped hole in us that only God can fill. 
Well, in the Greek, these verses in John chapter 7 are actually more dramatic. Because he said there would be rivers of living water flowing out of you. Well, the word river there really in the Greek is stronger. It's gushing. There'll be a gushing of water, a gushing of his spirit and flowing. You know, when I hear the word flowing, I'm thinking about this gentle little, but that's not the word in the Greek. The Greek is like a torrent, like a flood. So Jesus says to them, listen, Anyone who, has, who is really thirsty, anyone who really is empty, come to me and I will give you the spirit that will gush out of you like a mighty torrent. Hallelujah. And today, this day, all over the world, Christians are celebrating this other feast, the Feast of Pentecost, the celebration of when the Spirit did come, the fulfillment came. John said it had not yet come, but I'm here to tell you today, the Spirit has been given. Hallelujah. And it's a mighty gushing torrent that will flow out of you. I mean, it's the, the fulfillment that was given in Acts chapter 2. Verses one through four, when the day of Pentecost came, they were in one place and suddenly the sound of a blowing, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled I don't know about you, but I'm glad the Spirit has been given. And Jesus said that he would give that to us and it would flow in us and through us, out of us, like a gushing torrent. Hallelujah. And the Bible's filled with things telling us how how the Spirit of God is working in us. And I, I did a little research on that, and I tried to find in the New Testament where it said what the Spirit is doing for us. And I came up with at least 50 things. So I'm going to read a few of them. Is that okay? John chapter 16, the Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, judgment. The Spirit guides us into all truth. John chapter 3, the Spirit regenerates us. John chapter 15, the Spirit glorifies and testifies of Christ. The Spirit reveals Christ in us and to us. Matthew chapter 4, the Spirit leads us. The Spirit sanctifies us. The Spirit empowers us. The Spirit fills us. The Spirit teaches us to pray. The Spirit bears witness in our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit can produce 
fruit in your life of character, that his presence is there. The spirit can distribute spiritual gifts and manifestations to the church. He can anoint us, wash us, renew us, seal us, set us free, quicken us, reveal to us, dwell in us, speak to us, speak in us, speak through us, and give us liberty and freedom for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. Hallelujah. So if you're a believer, the Spirit is living within you, but Jesus said, I can, I can make it like a gushing torrent to come out of you. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad the Spirit is working in my life. And listen, the Spirit will work in your life. It is working in your life. Sometimes you don't even realize it. Because he'll lead you and guide you. He'll take you to places you never thought you would go. But you know what? And so many times we like to play it safe. But God, listen, if you follow what God wants in your life, Many times he'll take you to the edge of yourself where there's nothing else, just like he did to those Israelites. He'll take you to a place where all you've got is to depend on him. And I want to tell you, you can depend on God. You can trust him. He's fully trustworthy. Where there's three words I want to talk to you about as we think about this. As the Spirit is working in us, and Jesus said, come to me, and I will give you living water that will gush out of you. The first word is this, the word power. In fact, Jesus said to the disciples in Acts chapter one, go to Jerusalem and wait there until you receive power or boldness from the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but listen, I'm going to tell you what I believe since I get the microphone today. I believe God is still flexing his power in the world today. He still heals people today. Amen. We just heard that testimony. God still is a healing God. God still performs miracles. God still makes a way where there seems to be no way. God still is the God of the impossible. He can make it happen even when everyone else gives up. He still is powerful. Jesus said you'd receive power, boldness, when the Spirit comes on you. And as the Spirit is gushing out of you, he'll give you the power to believe. And you may be here and you say, I don't know, I don't even know what I believe. Uh, listen, Jesus said it only takes a little speck of faith and a mountain He'll give you the power to believe. He'll give you the boldness to take the next step. And that's what he did for the disciples. 
they got, they got this boldness all of a sudden. I mean, look at, look at Peter, the guy who just days before denied and even knew Jesus. All of a sudden, he's in, Acts, he's in that upper room in Acts 2, and the Spirit comes on him, and he gets this boldness. He gets this power that, that Jesus talked about. And he goes out in the street and starts preaching all of a sudden to all these people. As you look to Jesus, let him give you the living water that will give you the boldness to live your life, the boldness to believe for greater things than you've ever experienced before in your life. God wants to give you greater things. Amen. Well, the second word is the word purpose, is the word purpose. Because without purpose, power is meaningless. You see, the Spirit defined the mission for the disciples, and he defines the mission for us. It gives meaning to our experiences. Now, I, you know, I've had some great spiritual experiences in my own life. How about you? I mean, we come to church and we celebrate and we sing. And what a wonderful time in worship we had today. Amen? Amen. We're feeling good. But Jesus hasn't given you his spirit so that you simply can feel good. There's nothing wrong with feeling good, nothing wrong with being excited. There's nothing wrong with having great spiritual experiences, but there's a purpose for those experiences. And the purpose is for you to be able to live a bold life and be able to proclaim the gospel to people who need hope and need life and need help. There's a reason for that. And that's what happened with the disciples. They had this rushing torrent, this power, this boldness that they had received. But they just went, they began to go to all the world and preach the gospel. That river was flowing out of them. And the same will happen to you. You see, when you really allow God's spirit to gush out of you, he will give you divine appointments and assignments. And I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, gonna warn you right now. You ready? It's a warning. You start seeking Jesus and asking him to give you his power and boldness you're going to get assignments. It could come this week. You're, someone's going to cross your path unexpectedly. Someone who needs hope, they need the love of Christ, they, they need encouragement, they need their sins forgiven, whatever it may be. But I want to tell you, God will see to it that you get an assignment. 
And you know what? There have been many times I've encountered situations and I've thought, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Have any of you had that? You know, listen, I mean, I have a doctorate degree. I should be able to tell anyone, you know. But most of the time I'm like, uh. But listen, that's when the real stuff happens. Because at that moment, the spirit of God will gush out of you. He will give you the words to say. He will give you the assignment of what you need to do. He will come forward because it isn't about you. It's all about him. It isn't what you know. It isn't what you've experienced. It is what he knows and what he's experienced. And he knows more than anyone else. And he will give you that assignment, but he'll also give you the power and the purpose to get it done. You know, I'm praying today that many of you will accept the assignment that God has for you. Well, the third word I want to give you is the word passion. Because that's what happened to the disciples. They received that gushing boldness of power. It defined the mission, what they were to do. And then they became passionate about it. Passionate. Listen, passion, it's a strong devotion that compels us to act. It will... Passion will change your priorities. Passion will change your goals. Passion will change your schedule. Passion will change your future. And that's what happened to the disciples. In fact, there's some incredible stories in Acts chapter 4 and in Acts chapter 5. Because they had received this boldness. They went out and began to fulfill the purpose that God had for them to proclaim the good news to people. And guess what? The religious leaders weren't too happy about it. And they would, they pulled them in. I mean, to the Sanhedrin, which is like the Supreme Court. I mean, you imagine if they pulled you in front of the Supreme Court said, stop preaching about that Jesus. And you can read that in chapter four, chapter five. I mean, and the disciples would say things like, well, I'm gonna paraphrase. We just can't help ourselves. We just can't help it. We're, we just can't help it. This is what Jesus has done for us. We got to tell people about it. You see, they had this passion. In fact, what struck, what struck me in those chapters is that they would, they would tell them that and then they'd beat them to try to get them into submission and the disciples would leave. And there's this one passage where it says that after they got out of there, they began to pray, thank you, thank you, Jesus, that we have the privilege, the privilege to carry your name and help us 
to be bolder. Can you imagine? They're saying, help us to do more. You see, that's the passion that God will give you. Do you know what I see many times in the church? With church people? I see apathy. Apathy. No, apathy is a compound word. Ah, apathy. Ah, a is without. Means without. Pathy is from the word pathos, means love or devotion. Without love or devotion. God wants to rekindle our first love for Jesus. And someone asked me, should I seek the Holy Spirit? I'm not going to play words, but here's what I think. Seek Jesus. He'll give you his Holy Spirit. That's what he said. Come to me and I will give you the rushing putting your eyes on Jesus, staking your future on Jesus. Returning to your first love, shaking off apathy, shaking off a sense of just drear. And it seems so prevalent with the COVID situations. It's time to shake that off. And ask God, give me the gushing torrent of your spirit that will give me power and purpose and passion to live my life for you. Put your eyes on Jesus fully. Your life will never be the same. You know, I, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. And for those who are from that, we call ourselves proud Baltimoreans. <laughs> but there's a great institution in Baltimore, the Johns Hopkins Hospital and University. Johns Hopkins founded it, funded it, built it. He grew up a Quaker. was an atheist. So when it was dedicated, he didn't want any kind of prayers or anything religious to happen. And a few years later, they actually appointed the first president of the university and the hospital. He was a believer. And there's a great rotunda at the entrance. He had a 25-foot marble statue of Jesus put right in the middle with his arms open wide with the scripture from Matthew 11 engraved at the bottom, come unto me, all you who are weary 
heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's there today, they said many surgeons before they go into surgery pass by that statue and touch the feet. And there's a story because people go in there and they're just standing in awe of this huge, beautiful statue. It's a story about a man is standing far back and looking, just gazing. And all of a sudden he felt the tug of a, on his side, a little girl. And the little girl says, Mr., that's not the way you should look at this. That's not how you should see Jesus. Come with me. She pulled him to the very feet. She said, kneel down here at his feet and look up at his face and you'll never be the same. Jesus said, anyone, anyone who's thirsty, Come to me, and I will give you a gushing torrent of living water flow out of you. I think it still starts at the feet of Jesus, looking at him, trusting him to give us what we need. Will you stand with me in this place? I'm going to ask you to lift your hands today to give God glory and praise and thanksgiving. To thank him for what he's, listen, he's enough. He's enough. We sang that over and over in many of the songs that we sang that he's enough. You may have come here with a real need in your life. You may need forgiveness. Listen, you have, ne- you have not gone too far for God to come rescue you. He wants to forgive you. You may need healing. You may need an answer. You may just need hope. But whatever it is, let's reach out to Jesus today, will you? Just lift your hands and with your voice, with your lips, with your words, tell him, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you've come. Thank you that you're giving me living water. Thank you, Lord. And it is not just a trickle, but it's a mighty flood that you're flooding through me and out of me. Oh, today, Lord God, you are more than I need. You're more than enough. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is more, more than I need. Oh, Lord, you not only give me what I need, you give me more than I need, hallelujah. And today, Lord, kindle our flame for you. Kindle our passion for you. May we not be apathetic Christians, but may the Spirit set us on fire today to be able to serve you in boldness and with purpose, I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's worship.